Let's have our annual chat about shark encounters because Brody Kane, uh, who's sort of an all-round media personality these days, she was on TV for a long time, very successful podcaster. She happened to be at the beach in Mount Monganui and filmed a shark in the water, and then everyone was fleeing from the water. 2024 was just one day old when News Talk ZB's Tim Roxburgh introduced what he quite accurately described as a staple of the annual summer news diet shark sightings at the beach. And soon after, broadcaster Brodie Kane posted that fuzzy footage of a fin in the water at Mount Manganui on Instagram. It was all over the mainstream media, coast to coast, from far north to deep south. Even the far-off Otago Daily Times reported that the former TV journalist had said, in a mock TV news-style live cross, some people ran for their lives, including a child yelling that the shark was so big. But when the New Zealand Herald sought a second source on that subsequently, the Eastern Region Manager of Surf Lifesaving New Zealand told them the shark posed no danger at all. We see them all the time. It's pretty standard. On ZB later that same day, Tim Roxborough segued into another summer silly season standard. So what's your shark story and why is it stuck in your mind? Give us a bell. OK, here's another one uh, for our January the 2nd, the public holiday that has no name, um, to get the show going. It's about the most dangerous roads in the country. Now, one year ago, the summer bulletins were studded with stories about state highways riddled with puncture-producing potholes, and there was plenty more where that came from this year. Potholes on some of the country's highways are not only worrying officials, motorists are also frustrated by the state of the roading network. They weren't marked or anything, there weren't any speed limits in force, and I sort of like ploughed into what appeared to be the biggest one. That was RNZ's summer report on the 10th of January, and that followed another lead story about the state of Highway 1 just the day before. Several sections of the country's state highways are being described as in shocking condition. The AA says State Highway 1 is the poor shop window of a network riddled with potholes. But, you know, State 1 is, is the preeminent highway in New Zealand and uh, it's not good enough. Though when that appeared on the RNZ News site, headlined Laughing Stock, Anger over State Highway 1 Potholes, one listener reckoned that RNZ was having a laugh with the photo in it, which was sourced from the Facebook page Northland Potholes. This photo is not State Highway 1. It's Te One Street, Ruakaka. And Te One Street's patchy potholes are indeed not part of our number one road. However, not every mayor was griping at Waka Kotahi, also known as the New Zealand Transport Agency, about potholes this summer. After State Highway 25A was sliced in two by Cyclone Gabriel last year, it became a good news story just before Christmas, when it was reopened well ahead of schedule and under budget. And the New Zealand Transport Agency, also known as Waka Kotahi, made the most of that in a series of social media videos like this one. It's one of those things where you set yourself an impossible goal and then you achieve it and the feeling is like, yes! I mean, it's a construction of concrete and steel. Who would have thought people could get emotional about that? So having that reconnected and those families being able to get back together again has been a really big deal for our communities in general. That was Thames Coromandel District Mayor Len Salt there, though he also ended up in the news this summer for directing saltier language at some not-so-unified elements of his Coromandel community. Len Salt says he has no regrets over an email he sent out where he signed off with a rather unconventional sign-off. It was along the lines of, sod off. In fact, Len Salt signed off that email response to a constituent, go F yourself, adding, kind regards, Len. 
Now, New Zealanders usually take a dim view of abusive outbursts from people in power, so why would the upbeat new mayor do such a thing? To get this, which was essentially a threatening, abusive email, kind of made my blood boil. So I thought, I want to send a really clear message that this is not acceptable, and the answer is no. I just use different words. <laughs> and Len Salt also told Anna Thomas on RNZ's Summer Time show the emailer was demanding names, addresses and other personal details of councillors and council staff. And he believed this individual was associated with the sovereign citizen movement, which doesn't recognise local government's legitimacy. According to Stuff, the email said that councillors should be liable to prosecution and were determined to coerce, deceive and enslave the local people. And when Stuff told the unsuccessful mayoral candidate who made the email response public that Len Salt's rude response had actually been endorsed by some locals on Facebook, his rival told Stuff this. But that's Facebook, where most people have half a brain and are not the smartest. Possibly not a vote-winning strategy for a would-be local politician these days. Now, if all this was a symptom of the misinformation-driven culture wars raging online, well, that also spilled over into Tim Roxburgh's News Talk ZB talkback in the new year, like this, when the issue of local government came up. Then you'll find BlackRock hidden what, behind many of these why, why do you Why do you say elites? What does that mean to you? Well, most of the companies around the world are controlled by very few, and even, like, your, your radio station... You know, they're controlled by very few corporations. So it's, it's you know, they're controlling all the time. And it's us taxpayers and ratepayers that keep paying the bills every time. So enough's enough. And caller Kevin wasn't convinced when Tim Roxburgh told him he was really not reined in on the air by any elite forces. Um, I think you know where your paycheck comes from. What do you mean by that? You don't want to burn your, your bridges, mate. But um, anyway... What do you mean by that? What, what, what control do you think there is over me, for example, and what I can say? You don't need to go down certain topics. What, what topics do you think I'm not allowed to go down? Oh, we know the topics that you're not allowed to go too far in because you'll be, you'll be but going down But you can't say... And Kevin never did make it quite clear what the elites have taken off the talkback agenda. But the issue that triggered all that, by the way, was this. The famous theme gardens in Hamilton will begin charging a fee to out-of-town visitors this year. This will apply to people from outside Hamilton City. Background here is, uh, is the rates increase, I suppose, 25%. And those possible charges for visiting Hamilton Gardens also prompted a listener called Karen to get in touch. Karen says, gardens. There are many beautiful gardens in New Zealand and they are free in every town. They should be part of the council budget. And if you have a council... Oh, no, you've used the word woke. Why? <laughs> Do we ever stop and think how we got by without this word before? And the use of that word, in turn, triggered ZB's Tim Roxburgh. This year, if you've been someone who's described anything you dislike as woke, pause and think, what do you really mean? What do you mean by it? It's a meaningless word. And it's a word that, that it, it was African-American lingo, it was, it was black lingo, um, but it was hijacked by white right-wing America. Isn't that interesting? However, Tim Roxburgh's New Year wish for a little less woke-baiting in 2024 is likely to land on deaf ears. 
We have a Deputy Prime Minister who baits the media with the word. You and your ilk are on every other woke project that doesn't matter. Oh, you matter. do that all the time. Well, not every woke what project. does woke mean? Well, woke means I woke up yesterday and I know more than you. Is that your definition? <laughs> and regular commentators on Tim Roxburgh's own network spray it around with abandon too. And I wish the fourth estate would, would actually say so. They're too busy being woke to wake up. And not only do top-rating hosts at ZB love to poke the woke on the air... But it is not up to the taxpayer, for no specific or particular reason outside of a bandwagon, to foot the bill to pursue a woke ideology. And it's the return of the truancy officer, not that we want to call them that anymore, they'll be called something woke. At ZB, the hosts even team up with politicians sometimes to wage war on woke. Hey Shane Jones, I'm with you on that. I think it's really important that those of us fight the good fight against the woke movement. What do you reckon? Oh, definitely. Segments within the media, within the managerial culture of the bureaucracy and various other features of the Beltway that are woke-struck. But while Tim Roxburgh at ZB might not get his wish on woke in 2024, what about better water? And you've got over 20 beaches were closed because of sewerage. And in Wellington, 17 beaches which had, quote, an unsuitable for swimming warning because of surge. Uh, this is just embarrassing. Well, never mind embarrassing, it was actually, and quite literally, sickening, and also predictable, Tim Roxburgh reckoned. If you were vehemently opposed to Three Waters, but you're annoyed about poo at the beach, and you're annoyed about your rates having to go up to fix it, then just have a little wee think about what was going on in your opposition to Three Waters. And that's an interesting point. With the government's plan for local water done well yet to emerge, local government minister Simeon Brown wrote to councils just before Christmas to say he'll be relaxing consultation and audit requirements so that they can lock in their long-term rates and spending plans to cover the increasing costs of water. Newsroom's Jonathan Milne reported at that time the Far North District Council has pencilled in a 33% rate rise for this year, while West Coast councils were also planning 30% plus rates hikes. Hamilton's ratepayers face a 25% increase, one of the reasons out-of-towners might have to pay to visit the gardens there, as we heard earlier. And Buller's Mayor Jamie Kleiner told Newsroom this. For those that were staunchly opposed to the Three Waters reforms, there must be some oh-crap moments now. And definitely having an oh-crap moment in the new year was the organisers of the Juicy Fest music extravaganza in Lower Hutt, sighted perilously close to the misfiring sewage treatment plant at Seaview. Now, Stuff had reported that odour produced by the plant was already giving local residents headaches, and national and even international headlines were created by a council advisor suggesting that residents could be told to stop pooing. Is there anything that we could be doing uh, that would reduce the odour that's currently there while this work is? Is there anything else we could do? Stop pooing. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll, I'll let everyone know. Um, is there anything we can do to work in with those types of events or anything else over, those, over the summer period? Hope like hell the wind blows the other way. That was tongue-in-cheek, obviously, but with festival fans it didn't go down well, but like the sewage at Seaview, it seems. But while the Seaview smell now seems to be under control, Wellington region water pipes are still a huge problem. Wellington's water woes are set to worsen as the region continues to leak 
millions of litres of perfectly good drinking water. Despite two record wet years, the region's under water restrictions. No sprinklers or irrigation, and gardens must be watered by hand. That's just the beginning, though, with restrictions likely to soon increase. That was TVNZ's breakfast show last Wednesday. We're currently asking people in the capital city to prepare for a natural disaster which we knew was coming. It's called summer, frustrated economist Brad Olson told Business Desk last week. And that article's author, Dilip Fonseca, compared Wellington's water woes to the Mexican standoff at the end of Reservoir Dogs, where everyone ends up pointing a gun at everybody else, but... In the Wellington water version, nobody dies. Everybody just stands around leaking fluids and getting slowly more dehydrated. Well, if not quite Hollywood material, Wellington's water drama was certainly a good summer story for local media. Daily paper The Post got several front-page stories out of it, and Stuff even ran a live blog on it for a while, featuring galleries' worth of readers' photos of leaks on their streets. Now, the water dramas were also a hot topic for the return of ZB's Wellington's Morning Show last Tuesday. I think that it's a major public relations disaster for Wellington Water. Every time one of their officials appears on the news or the radio... All they really talk about is that how the public aren't following restrictions. If we don't listen, there's going to be further restrictions. And in spite of that PR disaster, the show's host Nick Mills reckoned the message still wasn't getting through to some. Does anyone care or give a damn? I tell you, you know, we sent our reporter Rosaria last week to uh, uh, Vox Pop people on the street, surveys people opinions. Honestly, the vast, vast majority of people she spoke to weren't even aware there were restrictions in place. I mean, I didn't know until I started doing research for the show that we're in level two. Yeah, and, and look, you know, you can blame Wellington Water for uh, not uh, being public enough with the restrictions, but honestly, how would someone find out? We've been running stories on it, you know, yeah. for the past few weeks. The looming water crisis prompted the local government minister, Simeon Brown, to write please explain letters to the region's mayors the evening of Friday before last, which stuff reported last Tuesday were then made public just half an hour later in a press release from the minister. Wellington's Mayor Tori Fano responded with a press release of her own. She too was sick and tired of leaky pipes, it said, before offering some useful online links on how to report a leak and how to save water at home. Though plugging the leaks with the plethora of press releases from all parties in this was not one of the suggestions. And that didn't go down well with ZB callers. These idiots have known this for years and have done jack shit about it, so I'm not going to be one of these guys who go, yeah, I have short showers, I'm not going to water the garden or whatever. They can go and get stuffed as, as far as I'm concerned. With all this going on, News Talk ZB host Francesca Rudkin asked the Water New Zealand Chief Executive Gillian Blythe last Sunday, how did it come to this? Over, over, over decades, and I do really mean decades, we have underinvested. We haven't kept up with our renewals. So how many of us have put off painting our houses? And we've put them off and we've put them off because we just think we, you know, we can't afford it. We've got to manage our competing priorities for our budgets. And that's what, you know, in practice has happened. House maintenance, it's a good comparison. But is it, though? You and your garden don't actually die of thirst if paint is flaking off the walls of your house, and no one in power has scrapped the national plan to paint your houses after huge political campaigns against it. We're going to have the repeal of the three waters. Are we back to square one when it comes to dealing with our water infrastructure? Are you losing the will to live, Gillian? <laughs> um, I think the, the, the thing that keeps me positive is that we are having this conversation and we now have a far better appreciation of how bad the problem is.
Now, hearing the head of the country's largest water body say that sharing information about the scale of the problem is a sign of progress, 20 years after it first became acute, wasn't an especially reassuring answer. And neither was this. You know, you can have about 90% of your leaks are below the ground. They never bubble to the surface. And so you need to have information to be able to understand that. And do we at this stage? We don't have as much information as we need. Okay, cool. And we need to make sure it's transparent such that you and I are seeing it. Though the real transparency that Wellingtonians want to see is in the form of clear, clean water coming out of their taps throughout the summer and beyond. Now, while Wellington's water drama is obviously bad publicity for the leakiest little capital, the Big Smoke had a PR problem with water too, which also helped with the silly season news shortage. Auckland's Water Care has apologised and taken down a social media post urging women to take shorter showers after copping flack for being sexist. But was the online ad campaign really sexist, or seriously so? Well, that prompted one former marketing man to call Newstalk ZB to say... It wouldn't have been a problem back in his day. We ran an ad campaign um, where a husband comes home, opens a door, and here's Shane Warne lying on top of his wife. Um, yes. And he starts chasing him around the backyard, trying to trying to give him a hiding. And the Marshall Batteries was a, was a brand. And um, Warne, he tries to get away, jumps in the car, car won't start, um, got a flat battery. So he, he hollers for a Marshall, and Marshall come out and get him going just in the nick of time before the husband can get his hands on him. And, and look, we had a whole we had a range of complaints about that. Um, Will the golden age of advertising like that ever return? Now, in the end, of course, what we all really want is water when we want it. But last week, more water was the last thing many in Westland wanted when heavy rain prompted another state of emergency. Though this unnamed couple in News Hub's report last weekend, with beers in hand in their soggy lounge room, were just taking it all in their stride after their 19th inundation. 19 times, that's the 19th one. And we were just sitting here having a couple of beers. Next minute, there's a bit of a crash. The water had risen and the old chair just went, gadoink. <laughs> and then next minute, the dog's upside down, splashing around. By 9.30, they were forced to evacuate. But thankfully, things didn't get too bad. 2.19, the water was up to here. It was flying out the windows. Last night's flood was... <laughs> whatever. <laughs> And in this age of rage we seem to be living in, that kind of grace under pressure in the news was refreshing. Let's hope for more of that in 2024.